Hey everybody, Chris Harry with you on a new episode of Chargers Weekly. Coming up, the voice of the Chargers, Matt Money-Smith, shares his preseason observations as the team looks forward to the regular season. We'll also get you ready for your upcoming fantasy football drafts courtesy of NFL Network's Marcus Grant. But first, The Athletics' Daniel Popper joins me to discuss the NFL debut of rookie safety Nazir Adderley. All right, pleased to bring on Daniel Popper of The Athletic as the Chargers close the preseason with a 27-24 win. And Daniel, a, a lot of fireworks in the first half offensively, but I want to start with the rookie, Nazir Adderley. Three passes defense, pair of tackles, and an interception. Probably should have had two, maybe three interceptions, but it, it was good to see Nas finally out there in playing time. Yeah, I mean, that was my biggest takeaway from this game. And, and the interesting thing to me was that Anthony Lynn over the past few weeks as, as Nasir was coming back from that hamstring so that he was way behind. That's the word, the term he kept using. He didn't look way behind to me on the field last night. Um, I mean, he was, the, how quickly he breaks on the ball, his ability to read the quarterback's eyes. I mean, it's clear, it was clear from the get-go that the guy is a ball hawk. Um, and then after the game, I got a chance to talk to Nas. And, and you know, the, what he told me when I brought up the, the three plays he had is, you know, I'm looking at the ones that I missed. Like, the two picks that I missed are going to keep me up at night. That's what he told me. Um, you know, he doesn't care. He said he doesn't care about the pick he made. He wants to make every play. And so the two picks he missed out on are, are the ones that are going to motivate him moving forward. And then that's the mentality you want out of a young player. Um, you know, one he, he dropped and, and should have had. Uh, the second play, I mean, he broke, you know, from 10, 15 yards across the field uh, and it had made a great pass deflection. Uh, I don't know. Anyone in the building was saying, oh, he definitely should have picked it off. Uh, but that's that's the way he's approaching this thing, and, and there's a chance he can be a really special player there at free safety. I'm excited to see, you know, once he gets up to speed, what he's going to be able to do and how he's going to be able to contribute during the regular season. Now, I have to put this in proper context because we're talking about the second half of a fourth preseason game, but to your point, I mean, he put himself in position to make those plays and to just see his his ball skills and his range, how much ground he can cover, Daniel, I, I think that's something that the Chargers are really going to benefit from in 2019. Yeah, there's no question about it. And and the one thing that Anthony Lynn said after the game is he was rusty. They said He said Nas is rusty. And so, you know, they're, they're expecting him to make all those plays once he's up to speed with, with his defense and once he's caught up and, and, and physically – you know, at the top of his game. Um, they're expecting him to make those kinds of plays. Um, and, I mean, you, you just go back to, to how fast he was breaking on the ball. This is a guy who will make his living intercepting passes in the NFL. You saw it out there. And like you said, you know, he's going up against backups. Um, but to go out there after missing as much time as he did uh, and to be that kind of difference maker on pretty much every play, we watched him. We watched him go out there you know it, it's impressive it's very impressive it's a great start and, and Chargers fans should be super excited about what they have in this kid it is impressive and I think Chargers fans are probably just waiting for the moment that Thurwin James and Nazir Adderley are both healthy on the football field at the same time just to go with all the other pieces that they have Daniel I mean to have two safeties like that who when healthy um, really complement each other so nicely right and that's the real shame of this whole thing is is if, if Erwin James has been able to stay healthy, you're kind of thinking in your head what that would have looked like, you know, having Erwin and, and Mr. Adderley playing next to each other. Um, but, you know, the positive is that now you have a depth piece there. 
Um, you know, they love what they have in Rayshon Jenkins and free safety. Uh, you have more depth added there with Nasir Adderley. Uh, Jalen Watkins has been playing well coming off that ACL last year. Um, so the positive you take out of it is now they have some depth there. So that it looks like they're going to be able to, to fill in uh, the hole left by Derwin James. Um, obviously, Adrian Phillips has to be in that equation too. He's the one that's going to be playing strong safety. Um, but it just goes back to sort of how this roster has been built. And, and Tom Palasco deserves a lot of credit. Uh, they have depth everywhere. Um, and that is key in the NFL because you're going to be dealing with injuries every single year. And the good teams, and you go back to the Eagles when they won the Super Bowl. I was all about having depth. And they lost their middle linebacker, they lost the left tackle, they lost their starting quarterback. The reason they were able to win the Super Bowl that year is because of depth. Uh, how, you, how you're able to overcome injuries is, is a key to finding success in the NFL. And, and the Chargers, at least now, appear to have depth in the positions where they, where they have uh, where they have injuries, um, including an offensive tackle, which is a little more of a concern, but, but definitely at safety they have, they have depth for a place throwing. Depth is a great segue when we talk about the running back position, too, because first play from scrimmage, Troy May Pope goes 42 yards, and what I thought was maybe most impressive in that first half was just the way that Detrez Newsom played. He had 58 total yards, a touchdown. I told him after the game, that 15-yard run that he had, he was stopped short one yard, and it was only appropriate that he punched it in. But that was one of the hardest, maybe best runs I've ever seen Detrez have. But what did you think of these running backs in the first half? Yeah, I mean, they got a lot of depth there. It was a tough call. You know, I, I just tweeted out my final 50-minute projection, um, and I don't have Detrez on there just because Fermaine Pope has been so electric, both as a special teams player and a and, uh, running back. Uh, I mean. You know, early on, he had that punt return touchdown, and, you know, he flashed, and coaches were talking about him, and they're thinking, okay, maybe he has a shot here, but he's really got to show more as a running back. He goes out in the next game, averages five yards carry, catches three passes, and like, okay, that's a little bit more, and then he goes out last night, first play from scrimmage, breaks off a 42-yard run. Um, I just don't see how they can keep him off the roster, but what was encouraging about last night is, Here's Truman and Pope basically playing himself onto the physical man. And Trez Newsom goes out and makes that decision as difficult as possible. Puts up 60-plus yards on 12 carries, scores a touchdown. Um, it's going to be a difficult decision. I think it's possible they go and they keep all four of these guys, Newsom, Pope, Eckler, and Jackson. Um, but you'd be losing depth at other positions there. So I, I had some time with them keeping all four of those guys plus the fullback. But you got you got to love what the Trez Newsom did, making this decision extremely difficult. And then the same goes for Troy Man Pope. Troy Man Pope, I mean, he was a guy that wasn't even on the radar heading into heading into training camp, and, and he made a name for himself, made some plays in preseason games, and, and now I think he can end up making the roster. We'll see how it shakes out. The wide receiver position, Artavis Scott, exactly a year ago, he had that ankle injury that ended his season. He was have, having such a great 2018 uh, training camp, and he just picked up where he left off, Daniel. He had three catches for 55 yards Thursday against the 49ers. He had a 25-yard reception, uh, at least 25 yards in each of the last three preseason games. And I think Coach Lynn talked about it earlier in the week, just his consistency. Uh, he had a very steady training camp, and that certainly showed up during the preseason games. Yeah, and, and the one thing that, that impresses me about our Davis Scott is just how strong he is at the point of the catch. Um, he's made three or four contested catches. Uh, in, in, in these preseason games where you're like, okay, this guy's a playmaker. Uh, this guy is going to catch everything that comes his way. Uh, it doesn't matter if there's a defender draped all over him. Uh, you know, he's not a particularly imposing receiver in terms of his size and stature, but he's strong, he's very athletic, he's quick, he runs very precise, efficient routes. 
Um, and then above all else, it's, it's a strong hand to be able to make those catches in traffic. Um, the best receivers in the NFL, that's what they do. They go up and they make plays in traffic. And our David Scott has done that time and again this season. He's been impressive. And I wrote this in my, in my 53 map section. I, not only is he going to make the roster, he's going to be an important part of this offense. He's been that good in the preseason. Um, and, and again, just, just adding more depth there. You got, you got six receivers now that all can go out and play. Seven, really. You got Andre Patton in there. He's done some good things in the preseason. I don't have him on my projection right now, but, um, you know, they got a lot of depth there. And Arcade Scott, like you said, coming off an ankle injury, just did not skip the beat. It's been impressive. Daniel, you're a great person to ask this because it's it's your first year on the beat. So you've been around this team about as long as you've been in California. <laughs> I'd love to get your observations over the last month and what you saw as we kind of roll into week one against the Colts. Yeah, I mean, the talented roster. That's the first thing that jumps off the page to me. You know, coming from Jacksonville, covering the Jaguars, um, you know, comparing the two, you Jags have a pretty thin roster. There's not a whole lot of depth. And that's really the one thing that you look at with, with, with these Chargers. They've, they've got depth everywhere. Um, you know, the one place, as I mentioned earlier, the one place where you're a little bit concerned is that offensive tackle. Um, you know, the, the pulmonary embolism that Russell Okun suffered. Obviously, we hope that he, you know, first and foremost, is healthy as a, as a human being. Um, you worry a little bit about it there, but I mean, they have a ton of very athletic playmakers on defense. Um, you know, between linebackers like Kyrie White and Jatavis Brown has been playing well. Uh, they bring in Thomas Davis uh, up front. I mean, the Justin Jones and Joey Bosa and Elvin Ingram and Isaac Rochelle and Jerry Hillary. Um, you know, they got a lot of depth everywhere. Um, it's a really talented roster, specifically on the defensive side of the ball. And I said this on the radio a couple of weeks ago um, that I really think the Chargers have a shot to be the best defense in the league. Um, it's going to be tougher to get there with Derwin James injury, um, but I still think they're going to be a very formidable, formidable defense, and I feel like if they do end up making a run to the Super Bowl, um, it's going to be on the back of the seat because they just have a ton of playmakers, a ton of talent, big athletic bodies, um, and it's going to be fun to watch even without Derwin James out there for what looks like you know, the first half of the season. Well, Daniel, the, the pass rush, and I think it starts there with Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram to have those guys healthy on the field at the same time. And then Uchenna Nuosu, his second year, his ability to get to the quarterback, and Isaac Rochelle as well. It starts up front, um, and even without Derwin, and I don't think there's anybody that can replace Derwin, it really in the NFL, frankly. But to have the parts that they have, uh, when you when you say Casey Hayward, and you say Michael Davis, and uh, Rayshon Jenkins, who's had a good offseason, um, Jalen Watkins, um, Nazir Adderley, who we just talked about. Uh, you know, you, you want to see where he can go here in the next few weeks, get up to speed. Um, I think it starts up front. Um, and to have Joey Bosa healthy week one, as opposed to last year where the Chargers didn't get him to like week nine, um, I think that speaks volumes for this defense. Yeah, I mean, I'm interested to see that front at full force because obviously Bosa and Ingram, have been, have been sitting out all preseason, which is honestly a smart move. We need both of those guys healthy, but um, you know, I'm excited to see those guys play. I'm, you know, I obviously I've seen highlights and I've watched a little bit of Chargers football, but uh, now that I'm on the beat, I'm going to get to watch them every week. And you know, obviously Bosa was dealing with injuries last year, but you're expecting if he's if he's fully healthy, you're expecting him to be one of the top defensive ends in the league. Um, and you're looking at a potential double digit sack season if he can stay healthy. Um, 
so that I, honestly you're, you're totally on on the mark there that's that's probably what i'm most excited for if i look towards the regular season is just seeing that front work and seeing how jerry, jerry tillery fits into the, the mold i think that you're going to see a lot on pass rushing downs and, and uh, we saw this a little bit inside during the preseason but i think you'll see ingram and both on the edge and then justin jones and tillery on the inside uh you talk about a formidable pass rushing it's pretty good i mean that's that's pretty good, yeah. So that's probably what I'm most excited for, just to see that front work in a regular season game. Yeah, the, the Chargers' defensive line and defensive tackle specifically with Justin Jones and Jerry Tillery, a, a pretty good future here in Los Angeles. Daniel Popper, The Athletic. Daniel, what do you got on the site and the app? And, and explain to folks how they can get The Athletic on their phone and, and throughout the season, really. Yeah, so download, everyone should go download the app off the App Store. Uh, it's honestly awesome. I know I'm, I'm a little bit biased, but it's a great interface, really easy to use. Uh, but you can check out all my content at theathletic.com slash team slash chargers. Um, and you have to subscribe. I will say that to everybody, but I promise you it's worth it. I've said this to you before, Chris. I bust my butt trying to make sure that I'm giving you guys great analysis, features, everything, making sure you're fully in tune with what's going on with the Chargers. Um, I have a 53-man roster in my final one, the fourth one I've done this preseason up on the site right now. Uh, Saturday, after all the cuts, I'll have analysis and all that. Uh, early next week, I've got a feature coming out on Derek Watt um, and how sort of he fits into this illustrious NFL family. Um, I've got a feature in the works on Casey Hayward, um, and I've got a feature in the works on Justin Jackson. Um, so i got a lot of really great stuff coming, and, and I hope you join me at theathletic.com slash team slash chargers. Awesome, man. We're, we're excited to have you on board this year, and, and you won't be a stranger to this program. So we'll have you on throughout the year. Daniel Popper, appreciate your time, man. Anytime, Chris. All right, as we roll on here on Chargers Weekly, here with the voice of the Chargers, Matt Money-Smith. And Money, preseason, finally over. We're about eight days from the opener. you got to be pumped about season three, my man. I am uh, excited about the season uh, and also excited about preseason being over that's uh, for certain as uh, selfishly and I know I have an awesome job and by no means am I complaining just saying knowing what you have ahead of you to, to stare at a, at a board is what we call it that we that we announced the game from uh, with 90 names on each side of which you know 37 of them aren't going to be part of the team moving forward it's a little bit of a challenge um, in, in trying to remain uh, enthusiastic excited throughout the course of a preseason game um, and, and conveying to the people listening who hear you know to some degree just a giant word soup of names they don't recognize sure but conveying hey the, a handful of these are very important because they're fighting for the back end of this roster and we certainly know <laughs> from years past how important that 52nd 53rd man can be to the success of this team it's necessary even though there's so many guys i, mean, I go back to last year justin jackson had a touchdown in right. this game uh, austin eckler we we know what he two did years ago yeah a couple of years ago so these are guys who hey they may not make an immediate impact it may not be weeks one to four but as we saw with justin jackson in pittsburgh and kansas city uh, he was relied upon and for the rookies on this team this is a big deal yeah and you think about even the guys that didn't make it but made it to the practice squad like you just mentioned justin jackson was cut 
and he ended up on the practice squad, and now he very well could be the starter taking the first carry in week one against the Colts. Michael Davis got beat out by Austin Eckler for that 53rd spot, you know, two seasons ago, got on the practice squad, worked his tail off, and now he's going to be your starting corner. So, yeah, there's there's names that we're looking at that, I mean, you know, beyond us, I mean, we're not important, but that, you know, obviously Tom and Tom Telesco, his staff, and, and Anthony Lynn and the coaching staff are looking at that are likely going to play a part in the success of this Charger season. Money, you were at camp. Uh, you saw this team, uh, a lot of the same coaches, a lot of the same players. What did you observe over the last month that, that you're going to take into week one against Indy? Well, uh, for me, the, the obvious thing is offensive line. You know, you know, you you you, you think about uh, Russell, and and obviously you hope, you know, and you're so thankful that that he's okay, and they were able to catch that pulmonary embolism, and that he's healthy, and his his family's good, yes. uh, and he's fine moving forward. But once you know that occurred, and and you don't know what that timetable is. You know, you can tell. I mean, left tackle is so – just look at the team that we share a city with, right? And the difference between Andrew Whitworth at left tackle and not Andrew Whitworth at left tackle and what that meant for Jared Goff. There are so few dominant tackles in this league. Um, and considering, you know, the type of quarterback that Phillip is, that I think is going to be the catalyst, you know. And, and I have no doubt. I mean, obviously with Coach Meyer and, and with Coach Lynn and what they're going to do to make sure that, that Phillip's good – um, I, I think that's kind of been the one thing that, that I've focused on. And I know certainly sitting next to Daniel, uh, when DJ's doing his analysis, he's been focused on the whole time. What is that combination of five guys, tight ends? Are you keeping those guys in backs that can chip to try to get this thing right until Russell gets back, if he gets back, or what you have to go with the entire season? You talk about one of the most important position groups, especially early on, is tight end. Right. right, we see Hunter as a, a top five tight end from a pass catch perspective, but his ability to block with Virgil and Culkin, those three guys are going to be relied upon, I think, to to really help in both the pass and the run game. No question, and and you know we saw a team last week, and I think that might end up being their model. I think you know you saw what what Seattle did with with Russell Wilson, you know, two seasons ago when they just could not protect him. And then they started bringing in a sixth offensive lineman and fan, and they started keeping two tight ends in, and essentially you kind of had seven guys on that line that's right if not eight at times that were blocking and they were pounding the ball and I, I think if you know they try to get this line to mature and coalesce I wouldn't be surprised if that's something that they're they're thinking about especially with with coach Lynn's you know background and what he likes to do offensively if, if that's the way they have to kind of go about it until they can get everybody kind of settled in and feel a little bit better about pass pro a lot of starters just didn't see the field, and we're seeing this around the league now. I think I think the Rams really kind of instituted. Oh, McVay this. ruined the preseason. Yeah, he ruined the I mean, preseason, which is fine. Yeah. And, and and got him to the Super Bowl. Exactly, and we've been having these conversations. You know, DJ talked about his his Hunter Henry Jeremiah plan, where it's what two preseason games, two joint practices, make it kind of a carnival right. atmosphere. Um, that may be the future of the preseason. Just talking to Philip, he doesn't seem too concerned. I mean, when when you have reps against the Saints and Rams and joint practices, controlled environments where you can work on specific things. I think that's all you need for a 16-year vet. Um, what is your take on what kind of transpired over the last four weeks? Yeah, I, you know, I, I think it is the future. You're right, especially when you talk to the players and they all say the same thing and the coaches that they get so much more out of those joint practices and situational football and an opportunity for them to actually run legitimate schemes 
um, because they're not going to play the Rams this season unless it's in the Super Bowl, the Saints unless it's in the Super Bowl, and they can show their hand and they can actually get good reps uh, with starters, you know, 80, 90 of them over the course of those two days. So that makes sense that that's more valuable to them than a preseason game where they're going to play a series and not show anything and then have a vanilla offense run against a vanilla defense. I totally understand that. And I do think DJ is on to something with – you know, and I think it's because, the, and he said it, I believe he said it before we did it that night. So we mentioned that to Hunter. And that night, he and I ended up grabbing microphones, sitting in the stands, and announcing and him doing analysis of what the fans were watching in that scrimmage. How fun was that for you guys? It, you know, I thought it was going to be terrible. I'm not going to lie, but <laughs> was, I credit I credit Mark, who, you know, is, who does game day operations and what he did. And that was he pumped music onto the field so the players couldn't hear us. And that was our big concern is it's like, hey, you know how these things are designed and what happens. You know, the offense always has the upper hand. And I said, you know, chances are Casey's going to, come up here and beat me over the head with his cleat if I mentioned that, you know, Mike Williams got the better of him another time. But because they can't hear and we have a chance to explain that, you know, as I was walking out of Jack Hammett, I had, uh, you know, not a ton, but, you know, probably double digit people stop me and say, hey, that was awesome. Like I learned stuff and that was really cool. And um, so I do think that could be packaged into a a television production. I mean, imagine if if it's a primetime joint practice against the Saints and you have DJ kind of walking you through, okay, this is this situation on goal line. What you're likely going to see is a guard pull in here and back, you know, and, and if that's what occurs. People want to be educated about football. It's, it's such a comp- yes. Exactly. And then after it all, what do you get? You get the quarterback competition. You get Phillip and Drew out there. I mean, that's made for primetime. So I, I think I think there is a way to sell it to the owners that, hey, yeah, you're, you're losing out on one preseason game of, of revenue, but how about two joint practices of revenue from a TV standpoint and maybe a gate standpoint? where you might be able to, to at least replace or feel pretty good about getting some of that money back. We were joking about, all right, you don't want to call, like, Keenan, making a play over Casey. You know, Kate, we're at the team hotel now. We want Matt Smith's hotel room. <laughs> Casey knocking on exactly. the, the door. Okay, I heard what you said. I don't appreciate that. What do you want me to say? I, I can't explain, you know, I, I can only explain it so many times that the defense is always at a disadvantage in these scrimmages. But uh, but it was fun. And I, I, do think, I, I do think there is something to that. Just because it's not... Look, it's not a unique view. I mean, everybody is talking about it. And look, not to get too inside baseball, as they call it, but, uh, you know, I, I do think there's probably something to the idea that the owners want to use it as a little piece of, hey, you know what? We hear you guys don't like the four preseason games. Here we are in our CBA conversations. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Let's give you back those two. We don't need to do four games. How about we'll give you two? You know, so I, I think there is something to that as well. Saturday was really bizarre when – we were about to kick off against the Seahawks, and, and you get the news that Andrew Luck's retiring. And I think everybody did a double take. I look at oh, the, fake, heck yeah. the fake Adam Schefter account. Who hacked his account. Yeah, And it you know it had more meaning, I think, for the Chargers than that. It was, it's the week one opponent. Um, it was cool to be at the stadium when it happened well, and actually to be down on the field when it happened. What was it like for you on the field and then just during the broadcast, oh, knowing just, that, that that's... It was a wave. Like, yeah. It was cool to see. It was a wave of conversation that you could see because players are on the field. They don't have their phones, but you could see the news travel from the stands onto the field to the coaches and the players were back in the tunnel already and then make its way into the locker room. Um as you said, because that's their week one opponent. And they've been wondering, well, is Andrew Luck going to be back? Are we playing Andrew Luck? Are we playing Jacoby Brissett? Who are we playing? Well, now you know. Um, and I I think that there's – it's funny. I think there's a difference. Um, everybody kind of has their own thing. You know, there's scouts at every game. So some of the scouts that were there 
you know, they weigh in about, hey, that he's a different cat. You know, when I when I did my interview with him and when I did my write up, I remember writing, hey, this is a bright, unique, multi-interested individual. And you tend to get those with Stanford guys. And that's always been a conversation with scouts about Stanford guys. Um, so it is it's interesting that 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 happened upstairs in the boot in the uh, press box where a lot of the scouts were the players. Oh, yeah, I totally get it. You know, dude got beat to heck, you know, for a couple seasons there behind that that offensive line. And it's it sucks dealing with injuries and rehab and not being around and feeling on that island like you're all alone uh, when your teammates are playing and you're in the rehab room. Um, it was interesting to see how empathetic the players were and just how pragmatic not to try to use these big words but I just yeah. I think that's the best way I can describe it just how pragmatic the scouts were like oh yeah that's you know Stanford guy I uh, made a ton of money already made 100 million bucks and and he's someone who I never thought would take a beating too long he's just not wired that way 29 years old I mean he did make a ton of money he's also leaving a ton of money on the table sure. when when you look at guys like like Philip and Breeze and Brady the guys who've played into their late 30s 40s with the money just going up and up and up you know, something to be said about what he was going through. And, yeah. you know, it's we're going to see Jacoby Percent now. NC State versus NC State. Right. What, one thing that I've heard um, regularly from players, and I'm sure you've heard it too, is this is not a game you can play if you don't want to. Mm. That's all there is to it. It's, it's not a game yeah. unless you have a financial necessity. Obviously, that's what that means. You want to play it because I need the money and I am 100% committed to earning this paycheck, so I'm going to play. Or I love this game. You don't have to love it. You just have to have a reason to play it. And the second that reason leaves, you're done. That's just it's, it's too hard. It, it, it really is. It is just too hard. Uh, it is too much of a grind, what you have to put your body through, what you go through emotionally as you're recovering from a game or practice, uh, y- unless you're in. And again, I don't care what the motivation is. I'm not saying that, that you have to love the game. You can totally be in it for the money. But if that's your motivation, you've got to have that. And I think once you lose it, that's when you'll see. And I think we're starting to see more and more of it because players are making more and more. Mm. And they can walk away earlier. You know, you can if you're drafted in the first round and they pick up that 50 year option, you know, you're talking about probably walking away with eight figures, you know, you're north of 10 million bucks in career earnings. It's not a bad career. That's what I mean. You got a big brain in your head and you invested right and you know what you want to do. You can walk away at 25 and start your second career with a heck of a financial foundation to build upon um, and and work with. And I I do think there is something to that and that we may start seeing more and more of it. I know we're eight, nine days away here, but let's just have a a mini preview of of what to expect against the Colts. This is a team that was in the playoffs last year, um, Ballard's put together a heck of a roster, and I know it, it kind of throws a wrench in things when you don't have an Andrew Luck, but Jacoby Brissett, uh, more than capable backup with, with some weapons on the outside and then that defense. Well, you know, to me, it's it's one battle, I think, determines this game, and, and it's their offensive line versus the Chargers' defensive line. Uh, to me, that is where it will be waged and, and where it will be won. Uh, I, I, I think you can make a very compelling case it's the best offensive line in the league when healthy. Um, if if the Chargers are 100% healthy and, and we believe Bosa is 100%, Ingram's 100%, the way that they are going to rotate guys in waves, the the options that Gus has, just even beyond, you know, me, Bane, and Jones, now? and Tillery, that's what I mean. If it, You know, when you can now talk about rushing Chenna as a rush, you know, as a rush end, and then behind him, you don't have to worry about playing him at linebacker. He can be a rush specialist because behind him, you've got Kaiser and you've got Denzel, and you've got Thomas Davis, and you've got all these weapons. Now, Drew Tranquil, who we're going to see in that rotation, 
that's what it's all about, you know. And if if we see Bosa and Ingram, you know, set the tone with Tillery now in the middle getting singled, if they can wreck that offensive line, it's going to be very exciting. Thinking see, about what it can do for the rest of the year. A Jerry Tillery Quentin Nelson right matchup. That's what I mean. Yeah, Quentin Nelson's not not a human. No. No, I mean, he's, he's the best. He's in his second year, and he's, he's Derwin James, you know, on the offensive side. Yep. He's, he's in his second year, and he's the best guard in the league. You know, Derwin's in his second year, and he's the best safety in, in the league, and that's what Quentin is. I mean, and just the damage he can do. Um, if, it, you know, but, but then now you're talking about, okay, well, if, if Quentin's dealing with, you know, if Quentin's dealing with Tillery, he's going to be dealing with a one-on-one because it's likely that outside tackle is going to be getting help from a tight end to try to slow down Bosa or Ingram. Okay, well, that's going to be a hell of a battle, like you said. And, that's, and now if those two are one-on-one, guess what? So is Justin Jones. And, and that's, that's what's exciting about that game. It's I know it's, it, it's not wide receiver, quarterback, and, you know, all that in points. But to me, that's... That's what this game is because look, it's that's one of the trenches, money. It is, and it's also just because of Jacoby Brissett and kind of what look is he athletic? Yeah, but he's someone that's also held on the ball a little too long, and and you know that's the thing about Andrew Luck is yeah he held the ball, but he was able to deliver strikes even in the face of adversity, which is why I took so many of those hits. Yeah. Um, and I don't think Jaco- Jacoby's not ready to do that. I don't think so. That's that's what'll make it interesting. You know, it'll it's going to be a heck of a game though, no question. Final thing for you, your NFL Network colleague. Marcus Grant, coming up next, a little fantasy football preview. This is a big weekend for drafts. Do you have any advice, 30,000-foot view advice for people that are drafting this weekend and going into Thursday? Yeah, I, I, you know, I have, I have managed to do pretty darn well in that fantasy experts league, which I got booted out of this year because I'm no longer part of Fantasy Live. I moved over to the news side of things. You're too good. You're too so, good. Oh, yeah, that's what it is. Well, you know, two titles, pretty darn good. That's what I'm um, through, through that experts league, I will pat myself on the back for just being someone who was Wait, hired as got, a sweater. Why'd you get kicked out? They, um, they moved the time slot, so it coincides with my radio show now, uh. so. I couldn't do it before it was at two. Now they're starting at three. Um, so I can't do the show anymore. And um, plus NFL Networks wanted to move me to do the uh, the new show from 10, NFL Now from 10 to noon. So I'll be doing that gotcha. from now on moving forward, which I'm excited about. But um, what I have always told people is just use, I'm not telling you you got to deal with math, but just kind of use some elementary math, some rudimentary math to recognize what the gaps are. If you're sitting in that second round and you're staring at the fifth or sixth wide out, I want you to think about what wide out five or six is and the gap you think in projected numbers from wide out 10 or 11 versus tight end number one, two, or three, mm-hmm. you know, the Kittle, the, the obviously Travis Kelsey one, Kittle two, Ertz three, and the next time you're going to get a crack at a tight end. So that's what yeah, I've always four? done. Who, who's it, even four? probably Hunter? Yeah. I think is it just because it's the unknown. Yeah. I, I think is where is where I would go. And look, I think you're going to get tremendous value with Hunter, no question about it. But I think that's so important. Is if, when you're in those pivot spots of okay, I'm still looking at the number one. And same thing with running back. You know, okay, well, now I'm at running back five and six, but I can also be at wide receiver one or two you know what's the difference between wide receiver one new Hopkins, whomever it may be and wide receiver six versus taking running back six there and running back 11 if that makes sense that's yeah. always been kind of my thing is i've always wanted to take the number one tight end the number one quarterback when i have a chance to do it if i believe that gap is going to be sizable very sound advice from Matt Money Smith. But boring, you know, no sleepers, none of that that stuff. We'll we'll have MG do that. There you go. Yeah, next segment. Much more qualified. I'm uh I'm pumped to have another season with you, man. It's be a lot of fun. You and me both. Take it easy on my airplane seat, my, my pillows, <laughs> oh, and blankets, all that fun stuff. That's but, part of the season. That's uh, what we got to do. All right, brother. All right. 
All right, chances are you have a fantasy football draft either this weekend or early next week, and I got a guy to help you out. Marcus Grant, NFL Network, joins me. MG, how are you, sir? Doing fantastic. Always good to talk to you, Chris. Always good talking to you, too, man. Um, just had money on. He, he told me that he is not allowed to be in your fantasy league anymore. He was a little upset about it. Uh, I don't know if you can expound upon that, Marcus. Well, basically, it's because he's too good. Uh, you know, like he's, we, he's we a two-time winner too. He, he did mention yeah, that. <laughs> yeah, he's a two-time champion. You know, he's always like hanging around in the playoffs and pushing for championship weekend. And then we just, you know, we felt like to level the playing field, we had to we had to excommunicate him from the league. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> All right, Marcus, uh, you're the expert fantasy live podcast. You guys do a great job. Uh, just to get started here, your overall strategy. Do's and don'ts that every fantasy owner should probably know going into their draft. Yeah, I think the first thing, maybe the biggest thing, is you don't have to reach for a quarterback early, right? And I know that it's tempting for fantasy folks to look at a guy like Patrick Mahomes or Deshaun Watson and see the kind of numbers that they put up. And look, it's nice to have that, but you can also wait until the later rounds and, and find a quarterback who, well, you may not be uh, an elite superstar, but it's still a quality quarterback that can give you fantasy production uh, consistently week after week. So, you know, take those early rounds, load up on, on the running backs and the wide receivers, try to get as much depth there as possible. And then you get around the ninth or tenth round, then you can start thinking about a quarterback. All right, so that first round, let's just start at the very top. Number one overall, uh, I've seen a combination of three guys. Who's your number one overall player? My number one is, is Christian McCaffrey. Um, but there, there, you mentioned there are three guys. Saquon Barkley uh, and, and Alvin Kamara are the other two. And, and what I tell people is that you really can't go wrong. There's really no wrong answer when you're talking about those three. It is a matter of preference. And I tell people that if you are conflicted about which one of those guys to take, just, just imagine which guy would you enjoy watching the most each and every week play football. And I think that's how you make that decision. I like Christian McCaffrey, mostly because I think he's in – a better offense than what you see in New York. I think the Giants are going to struggle offensively this year outside of Saquon Barkley. And I still think with Alvin Kamara, you know, he is a bell cow, but I still think they're going to use Latavius Murray to spell him a little bit to try to keep him fresh, knowing that the Saints are really poised to try to make a run at the Super Bowl. Meanwhile, Christian McCaffrey doesn't have anybody in that backfield that's ostensibly going to take carries away from him. Uh, the, the, the Panthers have some other guys on the outside that they can throw the football to, meaning the defenses have to respect the passing game a little bit. So he has been my number one pretty much all summer. So, Marcus, if Ezekiel Elliott was in camp, he'd probably be in that conversation, too, of, of top four guys, and it could go in really any different order. How do you handle players like that that have either – held out or are coming to their teams kind of close to week one, knowing that they may not get the playing time early on in the 2019 season. I put guys like Melvin Gordon in that conversation, you know, Le'Veon Bell last year, and even a guy like A.J. Green, who we know is going to be hurt for the first few weeks, but you know that they can put up wide receiver one production, in A.J. Green's case, when healthy. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I would say with Zeke, it's sort of a fluid situation because if we had had this conversation maybe a week ago, I would have said, you know what, Zeke is a, a still a lockdown top five pick because, you know, we just, I just truly believe that he was going to sign. And maybe it does happen soon, 
the more this drags out, though, the harder it gets to make Zeke a top five pick. But I, that being said, I still can't justify letting him fall out of the first round. I think with Melvin Gordon, just because, you know, there hasn't been a lot of, a lot of movement there necessarily. He's a guy that, that you're just going to wait and maybe take in the third round if he's still hanging around on the board. Because when and if he comes back, we know the production. We know the workload that he's going to get in that Chargers offense. And we know what he can do. And so if you can somehow land Melvin Gordon and he ends up as your second or third running back, you're going to feel pretty great about life. Uh, A.J. Green's another one. Look, I, I like what his, what his potential is. We know what he can do when he's on the field. You just have to be willing to kind of absorb some zeros for a few weeks until he gets back simply because you know, the Bengals haven't really given us a clear indication of how long he could be out. All right, Marcus, you mentioned quarterback. Let's take that position out of the equation. Is there another position group that you can kind of wait on I know running back and wide receiver, you want to load up on both of those positions, but should you focus on one or the other, knowing that there may be a surplus, maybe let's say with wide receiver, for instance? You know, I, I have tended to go running backs early just because I think there's there's kind of a drop-off, right? You've got your elite guys. you got to have a second wave of guys that are you know, maybe not elite, but certainly very good. But after that, there's just kind of a fall-off because teams tend to use so many rotations and you just never know how the, the touches are going to spread out. Meanwhile, I think there's a lot more depth at wide receiver, whereas, you know, sure, you'd love to get an elite guy. You'd love to get a DeAndre Hopkins or a Devontae Adams up top, but you can wait a little bit. And, you know, like a guy that I really love targeting is Chris Godwin out there in Tampa Bay, who is coming off the board in the fifth round. They're in an offense that is likely going to throw the football a whole lot. He's a talented guy who should get plenty of targets. Uh, and again, that fifth round draft price, if you're getting him sort of at that spot, I think that's, that's really good value. So I, I, I have tended to kind of maybe wait on wide receivers, but then load up and try to get depth at that position. Marcus, outside of Godwin, who are a few of the guys that have ended up on your team? Just no matter how you slice it, I know you've done a ton of draft, but guys that you, just, you can't quit that are always on your team. Yeah, Chris Godwin is one. Uh, Curtis Samuel down in Carolina is another guy that, that I sort of like because I, I think he's he's really shown some things in training camp this year. Um, you know, to stay with the wide receivers, Christian Kirk down in Arizona, just because if, if we really believe this Cliff Kingsbury offense is the next big thing, I think Christian Kirk is potentially the number one wide receiver target. And I guess to, to go back to the top of the draft and stay in Arizona, I, I, I was big on David Johnson a few years ago when he had his huge breakout season. And I expect a rebound from David Johnson here. And he's a guy that, you know, if I'm hanging around in that fourth or fifth spot in the first round, I am trying to grab David Johnson as much as possible. That's so interesting. And I mean, I I 100% see where you're coming from. But let's just say the Cardinals aren't going to be that good this year. Let's just say. And they're going to be playing from behind. And their offensive line may not be able to block for David Johnson. Is it just the fact that he's so versatile that you're going to have to get him the ball any way possible? That's exactly what it is. Um, you know, the, the plan is, at least the talk is, they're going to line him up all over the formation. He's not just going to be strictly a running back. And, you know, it's funny because for as much as people were frustrated with David Johnson last year and the way the Cardinals sort of used him as a basic running back, uh, he still was a top 10 fantasy running back when it was all said and done. So even his down year wasn't all that bad. But this year, he's got, in theory, a more creative offensive mind who will move him all over the formation to the point that, that he really is targeting trying to be a 1,000-yard rusher and a 1,000-yard receiver. And I think with the way that offense goes and the fact that they may be forced to throw the ball a lot in the second half of games, I think he has a legitimate shot at it. 
All right, Marcus, I want to go through a few of these Chargers. The Chargers always have a fun offense when it comes to fantasy football. And we'll start at the wide receiver position. Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. Mike Williams didn't really have the targets last year, but he had 11 total touchdowns. And Keenan Allen is a target machine, maybe didn't have the touchdown production, uh, but both guys figure to have a big role in this 2019 offense. No, absolutely. You know, Keenan Allen is a, a steady kind of late second, early third round pick. I, I think he's, hey, look, I, I, I just don't think you can go wrong with Keenan Allen in your league just because of what you mentioned, that he is a target machine. Mike Williams is another guy that a lot of us really like this year. And some of it has to do with what he did last year. Some of it has to do with the fact that, look, Tyro Williams isn't there anymore. So there's fewer targets, or there's less competition for targets, I should say, in that offense. And so, you know, kind of a mid-round guy, another you know, seventh or eighth round guy. I wouldn't mind having Mike Williams knowing that the target number should increase and the fact that he could be a really nice red zone target for Phillip Rivers. Yeah, in the red zone, my next guy's Hunter Henry, and both of those guys are great red zone targets. Hunter Henry had 12 touchdowns his first couple years in the league with Phillip throwing him the football. Where do you see Hunter fitting into this tight end equation that kind of starts with, what, Kelsey, Kittle, and, and Ertz? Yeah, I mean, those are your top three tight ends, but there's another tier of guys right below them with Hunter Henry, O.J. Howard down in Tampa, Evan Ingram with the New York Giants, all sort of bunched in that kind of second group of tight ends, and Hunter Henry, you want to talk about a guy that, that fantasy analysts really love. You mentioned the 12 touchdowns, right? But we still haven't truly seen a full breakout season. His first couple of years, he was still kind of splitting time. Uh, he was on the field with Antonio Gates a little bit. Then last year, I think when everybody expected really big things, he unfortunately got hurt and we didn't see him all season. So this is hopefully the year, right? He comes back. He can stay healthy. Antonio Gates is no longer there in the offense there. So I expect big things out of Hunter Henry. And if I can get him somewhere in the sixth round, I'm feeling pretty good. All right, the running back position. We talked about Melvin a little bit. Austin Eckler, independent of whoever else is in the backfield, Marcus, I feel like Austin's going to have value um, catching the football and also running. Uh, Where do you look at Austin as either a Gordon owner or just kind of outright having a a guy for your bench or a flex position? Yeah, I mean, he's a guy with standalone value because we saw it last year for the games when, when Melvin was hurt. And they, they forced Austin into a bigger role, and, and he was able to perform there. But even when, when Melvin was on the field, we saw that Austin Eckler had a role. So uh, his, his value has sort of climbed as we've gotten closer to the season, and we haven't heard much from Melvin Gordon. So, I mean, whereas, say, back in you know May or June, when people started doing drafts, Austin Eckler was somewhere in the you know, ninth round or so. Now he's moved up, and you've got to spend maybe a fourth-round pick or a fifth-round pick. Uh, to get Austin Eckler on your roster. But I think even you know if Melvin Gordon, when he comes back, uh, I, I still think that there's a role for Austin Eckler. And so he's the guy that in some of my drafts I have certainly taken a shot at just because I do believe that regardless of the situation, the Chargers will find a way to get him the football. All right, Marcus, Phillip Rivers, you mentioned quarterback, waiting on a quarterback. If you don't get a Patrick Mahomes or a Deshaun Watson, I look at Phillip and the weapons on the outside. We talked about all of them. And the, the thing with the running back position in Los Angeles is that all of these guys can catch the ball out of the backfield. Justin Jackson included from Northwestern. So Phillip Rivers, I feel like he gets disrespected a little bit when it comes to fantasy football. Where are you drafting Phillip and are you comfortable with him being part of your kind of QB one rotation? Yeah. I mean, I've got, I think I got a couple three teams with Phillip Rivers. That's my QB one. And, and I feel like every year I have a couple of rosters that has, that have Phillip Rivers on them because you know, like I mentioned at the beginning, waiting on a quarterback is kind of the thing to do. And right now, 
Philip Rivers, as I like to say, he's the patron saint of the church of weight on a quarterback, right? He's that guy <laughs> that's, that's on the board in, you know, the 10th or 11th round. And, you know, he's just one of those guys that it's, you know, it's not always pretty. It's not, you know, it's not Patrick Mahomes with the no look throws, but he's going to give you quality, consistent production week after week. You don't have to really worry about Rivers when you put him in your lineup. And again, he's not he's not going to cost you a whole lot in draft capital. So I, I'm completely comfortable with having Philip Rivers as my quarterback. All right, Marcus, final thing for you. If you could give me some names when you do a fantasy draft and you got your buddies, you always want to kind of zig when everybody else is zagging. You have some sleepers, whether they're rookies or guys that maybe haven't done anything from a fantasy perspective that that you're expecting to make some noise in 2019. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned rookies. The the first one that pops into my head is Miles Sanders in Philadelphia. Uh, You know, I I think I would have said David Montgomery in Chicago, but I think that the word is out on him right now and everybody is is flocking that way. But I think Miles Sanders has some potential and, and, and people stayed away early on just because the Eagles backfield tends to be crowded and a little bit confusing, but everything in training camp and the preseason says that Sanders really is fighting for what could be a very big role in that offense that he could eventually take over as the starter from, for, uh, for Jordan Howard there. So uh, that's what I want to keep an eye on there. Uh, if you are looking really deep, you want to talk about end of end of draft dart throws potentially. Uh, the name that has become hot recently is Dare Ogunbowale in in Tampa Bay. Their situation, their running back situation, is is very unsettled. We know Peyton Barber is there, but we sort of know what he is. Uh, I think people are sort of hoping that Ronald Jones, the guy from USC, kind of emerges into something, but that hasn't quite happened. And lately, Ogunbowale has started to, to get some more looks. And now with Bruce Arians saying they're going to go with the hot hand, that could open some things up. So I, it, I'm, I'm saying just this is an end of the draft kind of sort of dart throw. If, if it works out, you end up looking like a genius. And if it doesn't, you haven't really spent a whole lot and you're not out a whole lot at the end. Marcus Grant, NFL Network. I always love having y'all, man. Awesome information. I know it's a, a really busy season for you over at NFL Network. Tell everybody what you got going on. Promote all your stuff for 2019. Yeah, man. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, first of all, at, at Marcus G, M-A-R-C-A-S-G. But uh, we do the podcast, the Fantasy Live podcast, twice a week. comes out on Mondays and Wednesdays. And starting Monday, September 2nd, we are back on NFL Network, 6 p.m. I say 6 p.m. Eastern, but we're on the West Coast. So 3 o'clock out here <laughs> on your TVs uh, on NFL Network. We are going to be Monday through Friday there. Uh, so uh, check us out. My man, always appreciate you, Marcus. We'll have you on uh, throughout the season, hopefully. Hey, appreciate it. Let's do it, Chris. All right, that's going to do it. A big thanks to Marcus, Money, and Daniel for joining me. And, of course, thanks to you all for listening. If you like the podcast, be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And while you're there, give us a rating and review. Help spread the word. We'll be back to our regular time starting next Thursday. A new sound for a new season. So stay tuned for that. Have a great weekend. And until next time, I'm Chris Harey.